We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And in the last episode, we discussed uh, the news of Anthony Davis's impending return. Got clearance for full basketball activities. Probably not going to play against Utah hopefully Dallas, but we, we shall see. We shall see, but he's close. And we talked about the ramifications of that, the difference between him as the second best guy in the league versus the eighth or ninth best. So if you didn't hear that episode, uh, go back and give that one a listen. But today we're going to talk about more of the specifics and built around the idea of Anthony Davis standing out versus Anthony Davis fitting in. Darius, in the last episode, uh, alluded to some comments that AD made early in the season about how he was just looking to fit in. Like, look, we've got so much talent. I'm going to try and fit in and find my place within this team. And there's a good side to that, and there's a bad side to that. The good side is the that makes him that skeleton key that uh, that we talk about, that ability to be whatever I need to be in this collection of individuals versus another. Imagine... If Lamar Odom was a top 10 player in the league. Right. That sort of dude. You need me to rebound today. You need me to handle the ball. You need me to drive and dish. You need me to score. Right. That type of player. But like the super maxed out version of that. 100%. That said, the bad side of that is like, look, you're Anthony Davis. And at some point, you can do things that where it doesn't matter the other players on the floor. And there are only a few guys in the league at any given time where it's like, oh, LeBron just decided to take over this game. There's no X's and O's. There's no like 
real conversation beyond a great player just dominated a game, which happens in basketball. It's one of the sights to behold in basketball. We got a couple of guys that can do that. But as we've been discussing, because of the injuries and because of even new acquisitions, right, with Andre Drummond coming into the fold, the Lakers have had so little in the way of continuity. So, Darius, I would love to hear your thoughts on that dichotomy of Anthony Davis fitting in versus standing out. So a lot of the last pod, the idea was, well, can he get there physically and stay there physically, right? And I think that that's the underlying, that's just there, right? And and so for the purposes of this discussion, I think we have to assume that there is a baseline of health and there's a baseline of ability to play in the 32 to 38 minute range in high leverage moments and be there physically capable. So let's take that for granted for a part, but let's knock on wood all while we do that. For sure. The other part of this for me is, is the construction of this team is just different from last year's team. And there are more guys who are comfortable with the ball in their hands and doing something with it than there was last season. There you just are. And I'm not just talking about guards, right? Schroeder is the prime example of this, but THT, Caruso's made strides in this area. And then they even have that now with big men, with Marcus Gasol, with Montrezl Harrell, and even Andre Drummond to a certain extent. And Anthony Davis is going to need to walk an interesting path here because I don't know about you guys, but when I played like high school sports, there were a couple of people on my team where they were that dude, right? Mm -hmm. They were our guys. They were, they were option number one. They were option number two. They were option number three, right? And then option number four might be me, but then option number five is them again. Right. It, it's <laughs> you get what I'm saying, though. I do. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And so Anthony Davis is one of those dudes and his presence on the court distorts what the game yeah, is supposed to look like. Yeah. Right. Because and it distorts it not only for the other team, it can distort it for your own team. One of the things I loved about hearing Kobe's teammates talk is that even they would say, hey, man, there were some times where I was just out there and I'm just like, I got the best seat in the house. <laughs> right, right. Right? And that happens because the talent is so great that it's outsized to a level that everyone gets caught up in that wake. Everyone. And LeBron is one of those talents. And during the playoffs last season, you damn well know Anthony Davis was one of those talents and the discrepancy between that version of him and within the context of that roster is different than the version we saw before the injury and the context of this roster. There's probably those are, if not at opposite poles of the spectrum, they are pretty far apart and bridging that gap is something that Anthony Davis needs to do. Right. And the coaches can help him. His teammates can help him. But it's a thing that typically happens over time. 
and it's a thing that that occurs through learned and shared experiences. And what is the one thing the Lakers have not had this season? Shared experiences. And so in looking for the ramp up, the idea of an individual ramp up is great, right? What we've been seeing from the Lakers in the last 15 games or so is a team version of Mm -hmm. the ramp up. And this is why I'm talking about like that example of ADs hailing an Uber, but guess what? The Uber's not going to stop for him, right? Because the Lakers are trying to chug along in a way. And we've already seen this. Marcus all got kicked out of the Uber without the Uber even stopping for him. And at the same time, Andre Drummond got picked up and it's sort of just like, Oh, he landed right on his pinky too. Yes. Mm. Poor guy. Oh man. Just a side note, when that happened and I looked at Gasol's hand, I thought, you know, Lionel Hollins. Have you guys seen Lionel Hollins' hands up close? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Those old, oh, that era of basketball. Lionel Hollins was a really good player. Yeah. Mitch Kupchak famously, yeah, Kupchak famously has some fingers that go in different directions. Yeah. They will not be hand models. No. Yeah. Yeah. They will not. And so that's who I thought of was Lionel Hollins. Anyway, the NBA season this one especially has been moving so fast and there is not a lot of time for players to acclimate, especially guys who have been out for a long time. And when one of the guys who needs to acclimate back in is specifically Anthony Davis, we will never have this same conversation about LeBron James. You know why? Because as all of the alphas in the league, there is no bigger alpha than LeBron James, right? Even in a solar system full of Jupiters, he is still yeah. the sun that all the Jupiters rotate around, right? And and so when I think about AD specifically, it's sort of just like, look, man, you're going to have to figure this out. And there's not a lot of time. And the ideal version of this also means like his teammates need to help him along. And how much do they ask of him? How much are they asking of themselves and doing all of that on the fly just because they have not had a lot of time to work it out yet? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think AD really needs much help. Uh, for, I think he just needs to decide. So la- you talked about the ramp up, Darius. Last year, the numbers tell this to an extent. I mean, we, we can all use the eye test, but just to kind of back it up. So his net rating last regular season wasn't that great. You know, it was kind of around four or five. Then you get to the playoffs – Boom, 11.6. And it was just clear. It was clear, same thing from what we said, just from watching that, okay, he he took it up a notch. This regular season, he took it down a notch again. But the Lakers, and I think Frank Vogel gets some credit for this, They in the second unit was a little different the way that they were using him in LeBron, which was why his net rating, I think, got dragged down some. Because those units, when Rondo was yet to be playing like playoff Rondo, those second units just weren't playing that well without LeBron last regular season. So this regular season, he was up in the nines, like right next to LeBron in net rating, uh, even though he wasn't you know, quite putting his foot down on the pedal. And that, to me, again, just sort of shows that the impact that he, that he can have, as long as he's plugged in defensively, uh, which he was for the most part, it matters a little bit less. And, and maybe it's, I'm being a little bit too cute. And once you get to the right postseason matchup, you have to have that at more of the high level. And to me, that's going to be more of a physical thing, though, because he's if he's on the court, And especially in those crunch time situations when various coaches, Steve Nash just talked about this, the impossible lineup when AD's at the five and you're just like, well, you know, what are you supposed to do? That's that's going to be there. And that's the place from where my sort of comfort comes 
in Anthony Davis and in his role next to and alongside LeBron. But yeah, that the last thing, Pete, to turn this back to you, just looking at real plus minus. So LeBron's been number one all year, you know, and AD uh, is 24th. That's actually better than where he was last year. And it's just now in the playoffs, I bet same thing. I bet that would that would change some. But it's almost like when you're when you're playing next to LeBron, ask Kyrie or ask Kevin Love, there there's just some part of you that has to think when you're there in the half court offensively, it's like, how do you not just sort of okay, he's gonna like he, he's gonna run and, and do LeBron things for a little bit. It's like how do you stay in true alpha mode when you're spending a lot of your time on the court with LeBron? It's like that's that's gotta be a challenge. The stakes also matter so much, too. I think that, you know, us being like, hey, why isn't he being Anthony Davis in game six at San Antonio or something like that is probably missing the forest from the trees in a lot of ways. And be, and I think that the fitting in part comes first for not just great players, but great players like LeBron and Anthony Davis to further that idea of them being able to, to be or do whatever you need them to be or do. One of the things that AD did really well at the beginning of the season was pass the ball. He was driving and kicking, driving and dishing. And to the point that we've been talking about so much of decision making, Anthony Davis being a better decision maker this season is going to be more important than it was last year. And so if he's able to morph his game to the existing needs of the team, he needs to experience some of the weaknesses of that they probably not probably, they certainly went in the season with a plan like, okay, what is this team? What is this roster? Where do we need to fill in the gaps with LeBron and AD? Can I get back on a LeBron point for a second here in relation Please. to AD? I'm thinking about Kobe or Michael Jordan. And on the court, there's only one type of Kobe and one type of Jordan you're seeing. If if they're on the court, they're dominating. This they're is exactly right. Alpha, and LeBron can be on the court and even though what Pete, what you just said about the Jupiters and that's true, but LeBron can dominate without really going into that kind of Kobe Jordan alpha attack mode. He can he can sort of dissect and control the game in a way where he doesn't even have his foot on the pedal. And we've seen the LeBron foot on the pedal games where it's 40, 15 and 10 and he's attacking the rim the whole game. But he can attack and control a regular season game in a different way. And it just. It's just interesting to me how that impacts the number two, whereas like Scotty knew every night, like a certain way that Jordan was going to play. Shaq Kobe enters a whole nother dynamic, right? But like then, like Powell, Lamar, they always knew that they were going to be number two that night. And LeBron kind of allows AD some nights to be a number one while still being a number. It's, it's just a fascinating part of it to me. So that's what's, yes, absolutely fascinating is because both of them can do that. I do think Kobe is criminally underrated in terms of his knowledge of how to un, how to dominate a game in different ways. I think that in through the scope of time, we've looked at him as this like just killer dominant scorer that's going to just keep going at you, which was true, but he could dominate a game in, in more ways than he's given credit for. LeBron and Anthony Davis are are of that that ilk as well. Uh, Dude, sorry. No, no, no. Let's not let's let's just not let's not move on because I don't we don't disagree about the Kobe point. I I more meant from just like the look on his face. But you're but like oh, but, I see what you're saying. Right, his no, whole but, affect. I, yeah, I but, but he game. but Kobe could dissect a whole game and just run and just like get Powell in the right spot. You know, right. the whole time and as a passer if he wanted to. Also, right, right, I, and I that's, just, yeah. 
that's so much of the puzzle, right? Is these guys are figuring out a, a puzzle in real time and shifting the pieces so that they can, you know, that they can take advantage of, of what they need to. But part of that is setting it up. And that's just a beautiful part of the game that I think is very unexplored that I think that that's the next, I think, steps of analysis is understanding how that gets set up. I digress. Can I just say just on yeah. this entire point, one of the great things about Anthony Davis and why he meshes so well with LeBron is one of the ways that LeBron's dominance comes out is as a playmaker for others. And one of That's the right. ways that Anthony Davis is his chief way that he is sort of that top dude is as a finisher. Right. Yeah. And so oh, he makes all sorts of these wonderful floaters and, you know, just his shot making is just out of this. world. And to go and to tie this back to Kobe and like, say, Pau Gasol is I think that some of Kobe's like the like the white swan versus black swan comment for for example was Kobe sort of looking to Powell to take more ownership of that finishing part of his game where Powell was more like I can be more like LeBron like I can be the guy who can control a game with my passing and with my positioning and by where I and, and how the offense flows through me rather than finishes with me. And the push and pull between great players and adaptability and how and when to adapt, those choices can be difficult even for the elite of the elite players. And sometimes you choose wrong. Right. And I think one of the hallmarks of LeBron's career is likely going to be that he rarely, if ever, chose wrong in any given situation. And that's why you might look at LeBron as maybe the ultimate puppet master. Right. If, if you were putting together a show, he was running Sesame Street. Right. Because he's the one who is dictating all of these different scene changes with, with all of these puppets and, and manipulating the, the entire environment. Whereas like a Kobe and a Michael Jordan, they are they are winning the Oscar for best actor. Right. Like they are they are front and center to me. I don't entirely like the puppet master analogy. It's like I get where you're where you're going with that, but it's. He is, he understands how to plant seeds, right? He understands one of the things, Mike, that I've been so fascinated by from watching the Melts is how often has, have we seen that it's Anthony Davis who's speaking up in a timeout? You're talking about the iPad, right? Like, and he's the guy that's really enthusiastic. And then it's LeBron standing next to him, kind of chilling silently, listening on as. Anthony Davis and Alex Crusoe have a spirited discussion on how much you should help onto Kevin Durant in the mid post off of Kyrie Irving. Right. And uh, we've seen these moments happen over and over again throughout the season where it's not LeBron James who's standing up. Now he has been, and certainly he's, I think taken THT on as, in a way, uh, but from an overall standpoint, it's AD who is taking ownership and taking charge to that taking ownership point that, that uh, Darius was talking about. I think that's part of Anthony Davis's development, right? Is And we think of these guys as these fully developed, he's this best player in the game, but 
it speaks to a level of always getting better that I think is why LeBron – that is LeBron's true gift is he understands that you keep working on your your craft in a way that, that Kobe understood. Keep pushing the game forward, right? All of this ties together. So this is – I hope this isn't going to be too uh, a, uh, a silly analogy, but to try and bring it into my own experience when – so when I was in high school – and I, I played soccer and eventually so I, I was good and I went to play uh, in college for. And so my first fall that I came back, I the head coach of my old team let me come and basically be like an assistant coach or help out whenever I was in town. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so I was and, and, and in hindsight, I, th- I think about how kind of silly this was, but I'm, you know, I'm up and down the sideline. I'm pulling guys over. So I think that there was a part of it where it was a vanity in some way that I wanted the coach, the my my coach to know, right, that I was going to be able to contribute in this way now. And I wanted some of the players that I used to play with. And and who knows, maybe I was trying to impress somebody up in the stands, right? There's, there's sure. a certain amount of kind of showmanship to yeah, that. Yeah, look at me, I'm coaching, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, you think about that with some of the young coaches versus the Phil Jackson, where at a certain point, Phil's just sitting there. And if you want to say, oh, Phil isn't doing anything during the games, you're dumb. He doesn't have to like he's already <laughs> done that work. Right. And I even think like I, I respect the way that Vogel is on the side. Like he's he's just focused on what he can be doing. He's not trying to show anything. He's super humble. And I think that and this is in in no way a it just this is just a contrast LeBron and AD. Whereas I think that LeBron does do some of that stuff still fun because he's he's a fun, active personality. But I think that he's noticing this hunger in AD in AD now to be able to to show all of the stuff, all of the progress that he's made these last couple of years to bring teammates aside, to genuinely be excited to share that knowledge. LeBron's got that and has done all that for a lot of years now, I think. And so that's where when, when Pete, that specific thing that you talk about, where we talked about this a couple of pods ago, AD's got Caruso and then Marcus is kind of off to the side with a comment and LeBron's just sort of standing on high. Like that's the the progress, and in five, six, seven years, AD will be the one with whoever the next superstar is for the Lakers, probably Caruso. Uh, and <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they'll still be arguing all these years later. Poor Alex, because like Alex is a brilliant defender in his own right and whatnot. But I think there's sometimes like if if you're arguing a point with. Anthony Davis and Mark Gasol about defense and LeBron is not like standing in on your favor. There's got to be a certain degree of like, you know, uh, like, what do I say? The interesting part of that exchange, and we're so far down a tangent now. Yeah, we've been doing this lately. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing, the thing that I think that probably ultimately either convinced AC or basically ended the conversation is that AD is just like, look, if I'm Kevin Durant, like yeah, and that's you exactly come here, what he was doing. Yes. like and you come here, once you take that step, the ball's out, right? And mm-hmm. AD is is speaking on that from from the perspective of again, I'm that dude. Yeah, right. I can and, I can make and, that analogy. Yeah, and I can speak on this not only from a I'm a defensive master. Is a great point, yeah. right? But I can speak on this from I'm an offensive master. Too. And what's going through my mind 
is your position there. And, and Alex is pointing. He's like, he's putting up two fingers and he's pointing in one direction and he's saying, I'm splitting the difference. I know what I'm doing. Th- this is where my mindset is. Yeah. Like, I don't need to hear the words to know sort of the nature of what that calm conversation at least seemed to be about, right? You no, know, but it, it also it also speaks to just Caruso. He wants to do everything. He like he he doesn't yes. want to just take one option away. Like he wants to be in both places because he it has to be perfect. See, I yes, that I think there's another element too, though, is like he's the son of a basketball coach. And basketball is supposed yes. to work a certain way. When the ball is where Kevin Durant had the ball, and I almost guarantee you this is what Alex was arguing. I'm supposed to be on the elbow and I'm supposed to be stunting. Like, not full double team, but I'm supposed to be foot faking, jabbing toward the ball from this spot. This is how you are coached to play basketball. We, we talk about a defensive shell drill. If the ball is in this position and you're playing this defensive position, this is where you are supposed to oh, be. Crusoe crushes the defensive shell dr- drill, bro. That, that's it. No, that's the thing. <laughs> Those does. are the things that he's 10 out of 10 at, right? Like, there are certain aspects of his game. He's got all these holes in his game. There are some aspects of his game where he is as good in the league at the, like he's totally a coach's son, right? In terms of understanding. And that's where, that's where AD has a, such, has the point though. And that's the one time I think that I'll be watching right. Crusoe on defense. And I'm like, no, 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 don't help off that right. guy that much. Right. right. That and, is, and, and that's the point. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was getting at is that like, sure. you, you are right in a basket. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ball theory type of sense, Alex, but that is Kevin Durant in the mid post with Kyrie Irving a step beyond the three-point line. And what you're supposed to do when you are dealing with two great players in a dynamic is uh, is different. It's different when you're dealing with great players, Darius. And that's the LeBron and AD dynamic that we have on our team. Yeah, and and AD was basically just just like, but look, you step here, mm-hmm. that ball's out, right? And and to bring this back now to AD on the court. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So AD is now on the court now, right? So one of the wonderful things that we've seen from him over the past however many games that, that he's missed is he has been as active a participant within the team that you can be while still wearing street clothes. He's been at every game. He's home and, and away. He's yeah. been traveling with, with the team. You see clip after clip after clip, not only that Pete you post online, but even, even on all of the TV feeds, right? Whether it's spectrum or, or a national game of ad with the ipad ad on the bench talking to a player him walking out of the huddle and and meeting guys out on the court during time timeout breaks to sort of point out things and that exchange that he had with with caruso was a great example of 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 sort of coach mentor like active participant ad even though i'm hurt well ad is no longer hurt right he's been cleared and he's about to be on the court. And those interactions now are going to be, I'm in the game now. We need to be doing yeah. this. Or this is the read. This is the play. And there is ground to make up there with, with these guys. The, the relationship I'm almost, I am most intrigued about here is the Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis pairing. Oh, interesting. I, for me, it's Drummond. I'm super curious to see how that looks. Schroeder's going to have the ball a ton still. Mm-hmm. And Mike, when you were talking earlier about AD's net rating, one of the reasons why AD's net rating was higher was because in the minutes that LeBron was out, AD was paired with another attack-oriented guard in Schroeder who in the early part of the season – was playing really good basketball and looked like, oh my goodness, this dude, like sign him to the extension now, right? Like, can I drive the Brinks truck myself? Like what size bills does he want? Fifties? Does he want hundreds? Like, does he want leather bands around the bills? Like I'll do it myself. Really? I will. (laughs) That's how he looked early during the season. And that helped AD some. And then the lingering leg stuff started to happen. AD missed a couple of games here. He's back in. And then Schroeder's out for health and safety, right? And then AD's out. And it's just sort of just like, oh man, like where did it go? And building that relationship back up and building up the timing. Some of the stuff that we've been seeing lately with like Dennis and Trez 
in that in where Trez really had it going towards the latter part of March and then the first part of April. A lot of that was just like, it's click now for those two. They get it. They understand the slow waltz, right, of of pick and roll basketball together. And when I'm here, you do this, uh, like the the nuances of Dennis's change of direction and the way that he will snake a screen sometimes, the way that he will fake the pass and then drift baseline. And then where do I go in that? Do I sit in the pocket? Do I loop around? Do I dive? Do I seal? There's all kinds of technical stuff that happens within a partnership like that that takes you from an 8 or a 9 out of 10 to a 12 or a 13 out of 10. Right. And because there is bandwidth above even what you think is even possible, it's why they can, it's why you talk about like the sum being greater, right, than what the parts actually equal. And it's because you can elevate each other in, in, in a way. And that's where I'm interested. That's more offensively. Pete, when you talk about maybe the AD, AD, right? We got two ADs now. When you talk about them, are you thinking more offensively or defensively? More on the offensive end. Okay. Uh, you know, to your points about about Schroeder, I think that he's always thrived with role guys. That is his. We've talked a lot recently about his decision making, but he had really good chemistry with Nerlens Noel, and now so it's like, well, he had Anthony Davis to start the season, but AD wasn't really rolling to the basket at that point of the year, and so. I would love to see Dennis in terms of the context of having really aggressive rolling to the rim type bigs. And Drummond is not the vertical guy that AD is, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's more from a, a spacing standpoint, Mike, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like uh, on the Drummond uh, on the AD squared combination, as it were on uh, what, what do you think that's going to look like? I think it's going to be tricky for the first couple of weeks, not just, and, and this is aside from that particular pairing together, but it's more of the minutes thing and the rotation thing. Mm. And AD's not going to be playing full minutes. So it's it's hard to win games sometimes when you're integrating a player back from injury because it's the Lakers have finally found some semblance of expectation, not in terms of who's going to be in the lineup, but at least in terms of, okay, I know I'm going to play a certain amount. Well, now AD's coming back. So those 15 minutes, the first time, a couple are going to come away from Drummond. Some are going to come away from Harrell. Um, Gasol maybe goes back to not getting any minutes at all, uh, in, at least in the short term, depending on the game. We'll see about Drummond's toe, blah, blah, blah. And so that's just the first game. Then the second game, all right, well, now AD's up to 20 minutes. So who are those additional five minutes coming from? Then the next game, he's up to 25. And so right. each game is its own challenge just in terms of minutes. Then who he's playing with? How long is he going to stay in with the starters? If he plays more in the in the first half, can he finish? Like that stuff is tricky. It just is. When the other team has knows exactly who's going to play when and which guys are playing together. So, I do expect some rough patches. Like the Lakers will lose some games because of this. Yep. Uh, they they will. Good point. Um they will also they they will also win some because of just AD being out there and and I think that to, to tie Drummond into this in sort of Darius's slotting principle, Drummond now doesn't have to do as much on the offensive end specifically if 80's out there. And that's good. That's good. You don't, you don't want him 
as we've seen, even on some of the pick and roll diving, he's been having some trouble catching the ball, mm -hmm. you know, on the post up possessions on the, he's been turning the ball over off the dribble. So if you can take some of that stuff out of his hands and have AD be the center of that, um, some of that pass over the top, I think all that stuff's going to help Drummond a lot. And then defensively, it's, it's just, that's a lot of arms, <laughs> a lot of legs and it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm less concerned on that. I'm more like that should be fun, yeah. right? Uh, depending on Drummond's health and level of engagement. He's been either like super fun to watch on defense or extremely frustrating to watch on defense, Darius. Like, uh, so I, how much that has to do with the toe, I don't know. Uh, but I think that those two guys on the defensive end, like I don't have worries about that. I, I more so think that that should be, should be a lot of fun. Just, oh, Darius, just to speak to the Drummond thing and let me kick this to you. I thought that, the so the games Pete the previous two that he had played before he just missed the last one with the toe I think he's just thinking like wait he's trying to new system new teammates and it's just I think he just was fatigued uh in a way whether it was mentally physically the toe also we know was bothering him because it got stepped on in Brooklyn mm -hmm. um and he just that was hurting him uh the, it was it swole up so I don't know Darius if you saw the same thing but I I just thought like when you see a player sometimes just not doing that much on a possession they're just in their own head in some ways yeah i think that that's fair i also think too that that drummond's not a first or second year player he is he's a pretty known commodity at this point and so when pete you were talking there and i'm just like yeah yeah sounds like andre drummond a little bit Right. Where it's like he's going to have these moments or maybe even extended stretches where he is not super engaged, where his motor is not revving on on high. There are going to be times where he is targeted in certain ways specifically for those reasons, and it will then snowball on him in moments where you sort of feel like, ah, yeah, maybe this isn't the answer. The thing that I am going to find interesting with all of AD's relationships, but I think that that the Schroeder one and the Drummond one are probably at the top of the list for me is based off of what we talked about in a previous pod this week when it comes to in the decisions, decisions pod, right? Yeah. And sort of, it's one thing, Mike, to say like, oh yeah, this is going to take some of that off of Drummond's plate. Right. Like, oh, some of the drives, those are going to go away because AD is here. And I think that that's definitely possible. It could even be probable. I'm not sure, though, if that's actually. Actually going to happen to the level where we're just like, oh, it goes away. Right. Because in the same way that I think about Dennis. Dennis, especially because he's going to have the ball so much more, right? The Lakers can always sort of look off Drummond. They've been doing it plenty in the last handful of games. Like, hey, I'm posting. Look at me. I'm ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Right? And yeah. then the guy who has the ball, Kuz or THT or whoever, they look at, they look at Drummond and they say, yeah, guess what? We're reversing the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And we're going to play through the top. This is why the Schroeder stuff is more intriguing to me, Pete. It's because Dennis is going to be a decision maker still, right? Mm -hmm. That's just how it's going to go. You, he's he's going to have the ball. The Lakers rely on him. 
to make decisions. They rely on him to initiate offense and how much he does or does not rely on AD, how much he does or does not try to optimize AD, how positive or not positive the the two-man game plays out is going to be instrumental to the success of this team in in the big picture in the short term w- without LeBron and even in the long term to a certain extent when you get into the playoffs like and how it all goes and whether or not some of the decision making stuff that we've seen that has been frustrating gets lessened is still going to be somewhat dependent on whether or not those players decide they're going to make those same decisions over and over again a- and that's yes. the part of integrating ad that's the part where it's just like i do not have answers for that but i'm super interested in seeing how it goes because it's not guaranteed to just go one way that's right and that's why this stretch with ad but without lebron is probably the most interesting basketball stretch of the season to me because from a practical sense in a playoff setting we're either going to have lebron or ad on the court at all times And we've spoken a lot about how LeBron is this organizing presence. It's one of the reasons why as soon as he went out, our turnovers skyrocketed, right? And so I feel very good about our LeBron lineups with or without Anthony Davis. Obviously, AD supercharges a LeBron lineup. But if LeBron is on the court during the playoffs, that lineup is almost certainly going to be good. The lineups I have concerns about are the ones that – have all this talent on the floor, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, maybe THT, but you don't have a high-level decision maker. And this is where I think the way that I look at the AD-Schroeder pairing is a mirror image of how you do. I don't look at it through the lens of Dennis is the decision maker and AD is the finisher and the the person who's affected most off of Dennis's decision making. I view it as the opposite is this, to me, is the next step for Anthony Davis. All of that holding the iPad and watching all this film and interjecting his opinion into being that active participant in the game, he needs to apply all of that to his game too. And that is the next step for him, is for him to be the hub of the offense, of an offense that makes good decisions. And that's a different skill, especially from his position, than it is from LeBron's. And it won't be uh, a smooth sailing, but that is how the the slotting that you talk about the that puts everybody. If AD can can be that guy, that decision maker on the floor, that turns Drummond and Schroeder and THT that turns them into weapons more so than decision makers. And so that's why, Mike, this is one of the most interesting parts of the season that we're coming into is. Because it will portend how those non-LeBron lineups do in the playoffs. Yep, and uh, I think that's a good way to summarize things, Pete. I'm curious most about the simple part of this, like which game is he coming back? So then we can kind of attack it that way. But I'm just glad he's back. Um, I I think that we've kind of comprehensively covered it these last couple uh, pods. And guess what? Uh, The next pod will probably be about Anthony Davis too um, once he gets integrated back into the system. So, And and I'll be, trust me, much more glad to discuss him in game action than in him breaking down stuff on his iPad. That's right. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Very excited to do that. Uh, But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it.
magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, score. one. Unbelievable. It. It. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.